Hey, welcome to a very special edition of the Celtics Lab podcast. You're about to listen to a conversation between our very own Dr. Justin Quinn and J.R. Giddens, the head coach of Northern New Mexico's college women's basketball team, a motivational speaker, and a former member of the Boston Celtics. J.R. is here to talk about his experience playing with Kevin Garnett, the Boston Celtics, the G League, international play, and a whole lot more. Thanks to our friends at betonline.ag. And make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast to never miss an episode. Here we go. Let's hear Dr. Justin Quinn and J.R. Giddens. So first of all, I'd like to thank you for doing this interview with us. I really appreciate you coming out here. Uh, For those who don't know, I'm talking with J.R. Giddens, head coach of the Northern New Mexico College uh, women's basketball team. And I also believe an assistant coach uh, with the men's team. Yes, sir. Very cool. Um, and a motivational speaker, and most importantly for this podcast, uh, a former member of the Boston Celtics. So <laughs> Yes, you... I, I still got my clover. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So you are originally from the Oklahoma City area and went to Kansas, right? Yes, I'm from the Oklahoma City area, and I went and spent my first two years of college at the University of Kansas, yes. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So that, that was uh, Paul Pierce's alma mater. Uh, Do you have any contact with him uh, while you were over there? Um, no, I saw him back in California last week. Uh, my sons had a game out there. At the, it was the Mamba facility. Now it's changed names, but I saw him out there. But we didn't. Uh, unfortunately, we were unable to speak. So your college career had a little bit of a turbulence, shall we say, and um, without getting into it too much, what advice would you give? younger kids with regards to that? Um, well, first of all, we don't have to shy away from anything. I'm very open okay, to talk cool. about my all experience right. at Kansas, but uh, my advice is to give kids is just, you know, go there, stay focused and uh, get your education, get your degree. Don't let the university use you, you know, for your athletic ability and you not get your degree. I have my degree. That's why I'm able to coach, but um, that would be my advice to them, man. Just go out and work hard. And if you have a chance to go pro, cool if not you know you're going to get your degree and it'll put you in a better position later on in life you know you'll have that piece of paper and you'll have more opportunities allotted to you if you go there and you get your if you get your college degree i appreciate that advice doctor of anthropology myself uh which i am strangely doing journalism with but that's okay (laughs) hey doc how you doing (laughs) yeah you never you never know where life's going to take it's the education that's the important part no it it really is So after um, a scuffle off campus, you ended up transferring to New Mexico State under Steve Alford, uh, probably best known for his time at UCLA later on. But uh, you you earned um, honorable uh, mention All-American there. Then were drafted by Boston with the 30th pick after spending three days working out for them. What was was the process like working out for the Celtics? Well, I I got a I got to correct you because you said New Mexico State. It's the university. That's the Aggies. We're the Lobos. So I I gotcha. Sorry of New Mexico. And um, I played my first two years. I redshirted a year. And I came originally for Richie McKay. Uh, and then uh, Steve Offer came in my senior year. I was able to have a great year, uh, got player of the year, and I was able to get drafted. Now, the crazy thing about that story is I wasn't supposed to work out for them so much, but they were like, hey, man, can you work out again? And this and that. And um, the last thing that Danny Ainge said to me when I was walking out of the, uh, the training room, he was like, um, he was like, I won't forget, you know, you working out extra for me. He was like, I, I, we won't forget that. And I never thought anything of it. Very cool. Doc Rivers in particular was a big fan of you. Uh, he praised your athleticism. He thought you might compete for some time immediately. 
what were your thoughts going into a team with reigning champions as, as the, the situation you were coming into? I don't know. It, it's crazy. And uh, I, I really want to speak on the Doc Rivers situation because he never gave me a chance to play as a first round draft pick, not even after I played well in the D league. Uh, he praised my athleticism. I remember one time he told me I should never shoot a three. I can shoot three. So it was kind of, even practicing, you know, guys knew I wasn't allowed to shoot threes. They would give me like a three or four foot cushion. I couldn't really, you know, really get a get a chance to get my feet wet for the Celtics. You know, I mean, I'm very blessed to be drafted by them. But honestly, I wish I would have went to a different team because, like you said, I went to a team full of champions and didn't get a chance to play and get any playing time. And then I tear my knee, get traded two days later. And, you know, I was out the league within like six six weeks. So I, w- I wish I would have went to a different team that wasn't as good and I would have got a chance to play. And, you know, when you have numbers and you can negotiate a contract, if you don't have any numbers and you spend a lot of time in the D league, it's very difficult for me to get that. I'm not saying that I was perfect in the situation, but as a, as a first round draft pick, it's very hard to not get any playing time and, and not get a chance to play, especially when you wait 23 years to get drafted. Then you get there and you're so close to your court side and you're not getting a chance to fight for your dreams. And, you know, now you got to make the NBA again if you go to training camp or whatever. But I had already made it the first time and I didn't get a didn't get a chance to rock. So it, it was very I always tell people I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity. They called my name. I really wish I would have went to a different team because he gave me zero opportunity to play, man. It was ridiculous. Doc does have that reputation as a very reluctant person to play younger players. And unfortunately that seems to be the case with you. There are some players on the team now uh, who some of them are starting to get some, some, some playing time. Now I'm talking about people like Peyton Pritchard, Aaron Nesmith. What kind of advice would you give a player like that? Who's in a situation like that? Like I know some of the, the guys who are still with the team now are actually getting some time, but very similar situation. What would you tell them? I would just tell them to work on their game and just, you know, make sure you get along with the veterans, make sure you get along with everybody in the offices and and just work your ass off. So whenever you do get the opportunity to get in and you got to try to score points. I remember one time I was in the game and I and, you know, Doc wasn't letting me shoot threes and I, I didn't care. I was home in Oklahoma City. So I, I got up like two threes and I missed them both. And I remember he subbed me out and I got to the bench and Ray was like, hey, that was your opportunity, man. He's like, you're in. You get two shots. You got to knock them down. So that would be my thing. Just stay ready and just stay focused on your game. And like I even let him mentally take me out of my game a little bit because he's telling me not to shoot threes. And I've shot threes my whole life. So I would just tell young players just to, you know, stick, stick to doing what you do best. Always keep working on your game. Have a great attitude. Make sure you get along with the veterans. Make sure you get along with the people in the organization and and, and you stay professional at all times because you never know how anybody's going to feel about you and what power they have or what influence they have. So make sure you just try to stay as professional and in good graces with everybody at all times while, while working your ass off. <laughs> That's a lot, man, but it's good advice. Yeah, no, for sure. And it's something that I had to learn the hard way. And, you know, when you're a rookie, man, there's some things that you just don't understand. And, you know, I know they're trying to win a championship and maybe I don't have the best attitude on the bench because I'm being slightly self-absorbed because you feel your career slipping away. You know, like I'm not getting any playing time. I'm on a two-year contract. My contract's almost up, and these guys are focusing on winning the con- uh, winning the championship, and I'm trying to get in the game, you know. So at the end of the day, you know, I understand how somebody could be unhappy if you don't have a smile on your face sitting at the end of the bench. But if they look at my side in hindsight, you know, I knew this was happening. I could feel my my, my league chances slipping away, and, 
and I just tried to do the best that I could. So you got to play with the man of the hour this weekend, Kevin Garnett. Now he's getting his jersey retired, but one of the reasons we have you on the podcast isn't so we can just talk about him, but rather your experience playing with him. Now you didn't get the chance to play with him as we've been talking about that first season, but you did get to play with him in the second season. How did you meet him, first of all? Oh, well, my first two KG conversations, you know, I'll keep that story between us because I think there was a miscommunication. But I'll say this, whenever you whenever I tell people about KG, all I just say is greatness, man. That dude is very intense. He's a competitor. I remember one time we were in practice and Doc was like wanting him to get off. He's like, no, Doc, I got to be out here. I want this. I want to be out here like I need this. And Doc's like, man, I need you to rest. And He's like, no, Doc, I need this. And. He's so intense. One time, I think, uh, I don't know what happened with the clipboard or something, and a marker messed up. This dude spit on, like, the clipboard and just, like, you right here, I'm right here. Like, I mean, he's just, you know, he's intense, man. He's greatness, man, in, in every level, and his preparation to the game and his mental preparation. Like, I I've, I was always in awe of Kevin, KG, like, the big ticket. Like, I, like KG's that guy. Like, I, you know, I don't get starstruck, but. You know, he was one of the guys that I got starstruck about. You know, he, he just had a glow to him like the first five times I saw him. You know, like it was a whole aura to him. And so, man, he's he's a champion. He's one of the greatest players of all time. And, you know, when you're around somebody like that and you see how they prepare for practices, how they approach games and his mental toughness and just his, I mean, his overall intensity is KG. You don't have to say anything. He's one of the intense players of all time. And, you know, it's, being around that dude is truly inspirational, man. He's 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 a champion. Big big hats off to him. And then he bought me a lot of Louis Vuitton stuff one time, and I appreciate that as a rookie because he had me looking fly, Louis backpack, Louis scarf and stuff. Like he took care of me, you know. Always gave me words of encouragement, you know. Towards the after I'd been there for a minute, you know, when you come in as a rookie, you know, you can't really talk to KG like that. But uh, after my second year, we had definitely had a better relationship. I have the utmost respect for him every time I see him on a podcast and TV I just kind of I kind of chuckle because I feel blessed I got to be on the team with him for two years one of the greatest players in the history of the NBA man I, I don't you know for me where I'm from you know that's that's a big accomplishment a lot of people can't say that and I always cherish that and take it to heart so what was it like actually playing with him on the court in the second year you got a lot more run you actually got a career start in January like what was it like playing on the court with KG? Man, like I said, he's just intense, man. Great defensive guy and just, you know, like when, when you're out there, he, he's going to up your level of play because he plays so hard. So it was definitely fun sharing the court with him, man. I'll, like I said, I'll always remember and cherish those moments forever. So there are some people who are saying that the Celtics have too many jerseys retired, that Kevin wasn't there long enough and yada, yada, yada. What's your opinion on this kind of a debate? Does he Does he deserve to have his jersey up there or not? Did he bring a world title to Boston? Yes, he did. Simple enough is that. That's all that needs to be said. So at the end of the day, anytime somebody's a champion, especially in a great sports city like Boston, one of the greatest franchises in the history of basketball, and he's a champion and one of the greatest franchises in the history of basketball, I think he deserves his banner, his, his jersey up, up in the rafters. So another subtext thread, whatever you want to call it, that's been going on with this is the longstanding feud between him and Ray, who you were talking about earlier. What are your thoughts on that feud? Are you glad that it looks like it's finally ending? Did we, the media, keep it alive a little bit too long? 
Um, honestly, um, they won a championship together, but as as being a being. A, Can you hear me? Yep. Oh, okay. Because my my AirPods cut up. Him being a champion like that, I just feel like you know, at the end of the day, like him and Ray sometimes brothers fight sometimes, and I've had an estranged relationship with some guys that I've played with, and. You know, I, you really never know what's going on between them. But, you know, as men and especially as black men, and uh, I hope that they work that out. And, you know, it seems like it's getting better. And, you know, if if uh, who was it? Jalen, um, Jalen Rose and Chris, Chris Weber. Was it Jalen Rose and Chris Weber that had a falling out? I think I remember something about that. But, you know, the Celtics fallout is something I paid a lot more attention to as a fan. So. Of course, e- either way, I hope it's something that they figure out together and they come through because at the end of the day, those men are champions together. So, Stepping away from our conversation between Dr. Quinn and J.R. Giddens to talk about our sponsor, betonline.ag. Football might be over, but basketball is at full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, the game totals, player performance props, and even where the next fired coach might land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. If you head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. It's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, as well as your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination and the fastest and easiest way to get started. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, apart from that, tell me a little bit about how your time with the Celtics ended. Now, I know you were traded to the New York Knicks. You said there was an injury involved. That wasn't yeah, I mean, and that's how, and that's another thing. I don't even feel like I should have been down in the D League. So I go up for a dunk. Somebody like flips me. I was kind of flying in the air. It was. I knew I had to just give out my body, or so I was gonna tear my whole knee. So uh, I tore my knee playing in the D League game. I got traded two days later, and then um, you know I was part of that trade. And that's something that's crazy to me because I'm six five, and when I get traded, Renee Robinson's a great player. He's like five eight, five nine. He comes over and he plays immediately. And I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like, you know, for me as a ball player, anything that I feel like he could do, I could do. You know what I'm saying? For the most part. I mean, he had more confidence than me because he got more playing time. But that's when I was just really off Doc Rivers in, in Hull. I'm like, man, this dude gets traded over here and plays immediately. I've been here for years and I'm 6'5", dunking from the free throw line and I can't get a chance to rock. Like, it would have been fun to play with Rondo, throwing oops and stuff like that. But, you know, it is what it is. But, yeah, that was – that was how I ended my time with the Celtics, man. I was traded two days later. I got to the Knicks with 25 games left in the season. Six weeks to the day of me tearing my knee, we played the Celtics. And I get a chance to play versus the Celtics. And there's 15 games left in the season. I think my knee's probably on like 40%, 60%. They rushed me back. But uh, that was that was how I ended my time in the league. And it was actually fun because I had a couple good games for the, for the Knicks. I think my best game, I had like eight points, like 13 rebounds and I always think of that in my mind. I'm like, man, if I'd have been healthy and, you know, been somewhere to where they actually put some time into me to develop me, I know I could have played at that level for for uh, for some years. But unfortunately, that was not the case. But I always, you know, remember those times because I, I got a chance to cross Carmelo up baseline, lay it up over Birdman and get a chance to, you know, get in the game and get some 
get some real playing time and see see how I could play. So it was it was definitely I played more for the Knicks, even though I played 15 games and I played for the Celtics in two years. So it was a you know, it was a blessing. I got to get over there and at least get my feet wet, you know, a lot more than I did with the Celtics. But that was how my time ended with the Celtics and the league. Now, you went on to Europe after this and you played a couple other places as well. I'm most interested in your time in Mexico because that's actually where I live. I live in Mexico City. Like, what was your experience? Was it La Liga that you were playing in? or? I, yeah, my, I had a great experience. So we played Capitanes in the playoffs. Really? We're Corre Caminos. We yeah, play, we're Corre awesome. Caminos. So I think we get in with like an eight seed. No, with, with a seven seed. We, I think we win 12 or 13 out of our last 15 games. going a crazy run. Crazy run. We beat Capitanes at Capitanes the first two games of the playoffs. Beat them. And, you know, they got Hector Hernandez, Rigoberto Mendoza. Um, you know, they got they got a you know, they got a big budget. So they got a good team. And then they came back and they got us at our house. I really thought it was fixed because we had beat them at their house and was up 2-0 when we came to our house, man. And they came back to Corre Camitos and Victoria Tampalikas, man. The fouls were crazy, man. We ended up losing the series. But that was fun. We went down there and got those two wins in their house. First, uh, first round of the playoffs, like it was, it was crazy because that atmosphere was amazing out there in Mexico City. Like that's a beautiful city. I was like, you're lucky that you live there. Sabes español? Suficiente al entrar aquí, pero la mayoría de nuestra gente no escuchen esto. Entonces, mi hijo es dominicano. Ah, very cool. Yeah, yeah. So you apprentice me español solamente en la calle de República Dominica porque mi hijo tienes casi. Cinco años or entonces yo tengo mucho tiempo en la República Dominica for mi hijo. That's awesome. Sí. <laughs> you didn't okay. know I knew Spanish, did you? <laughs> no, man, that's going to go over big. Tengo un podcast en español en la próxima semana de los madrilenos en España, but I'm going to avoid doing too much more Spanish so we don't we don't lose our English listeners. Ah, uh, entiendo. Es un poquito complicado. Yeah. yeah, there's a there's a good joke out there, and um, uh, no offense to to my you know monolingual friends, but what do you call someone who speaks two languages? Mm, I don't know. Bilingual. bilingual. What do you call someone yeah. who speaks three languages? Trilingual. And just one? American. <laughs> got it right. <laughs> you got it. Terrible, terrible joke. Uh, apologies to all our listeners. Nah, it's, so, it's all good. Dominican, you have something in common with Al Horford. Celtics of yeah. today, what do you think of them? What's their future? What's their ceiling? Um, I haven't really got a chance to keep up with them as much lately because I'm coaching for two teams. So I'm worried about our season. And, you know, we just, our season just ended within the conference tournament. So it's been a, a long year. And it was actually – this is my second season coaching, but the first season was taken – because of COVID. So this was my rookie year coaching, man. I, I'm a woman's coach, and I just put it like this. If I can make it through this season, I can make it through anything. This is the hardest thing I've ever did in my life, okay? Mm-hmm. I had about 14, 15 uh, young ladies on my team, and, and they tested me. But, you know, I think, you know, every everything that we could go through in my, in my rookie season we went through, we ended up, you know, making the conference tournament for the first time since 2016. We went five and one in conference, so I won 83% of my games in my rookie year. So it, w- it was a crazy year, man. I've been so focused on my team and the men's team and trying to make them better. I haven't been able to be the greatest fan of um, <laughs> the greatest fan of NBA basketball because, unfortunately, I didn't have an assistant coach there with me full time. 
So I had to do everything myself. I was a one man band. So I'm watching seven, eight, nine, ten hours of film per oh per yeah, per team we play by myself doing offense, defense, and you know it, it's it's a lot of work that goes off in the coaching. But I love it. Hopefully, I'll become a better coach than I was player. And uh, I know this is what God wants me to do. So I, I've been worried about Northern New Mexico College and uh, trying to win ball games. I haven't been a chance, haven't got a chance to keep up with uh, the Celtics consistently. I catch highlights. You know, you know, you see all the, you know, the ESPN, you know, first take shows, podcasts, but I haven't got a chance to sit there and really keep up with any team. And my team right now, people don't want to hear it is the Lakers because they got LeBron James. That's my favorite player. So I, I'm where LeBron goes, you know, that's that's where my, my yeah. loyalty goes. Now, <laughs> besides, I can totally besides feel- o- yeah, besides Oklahoma City Thunder, because I'm from Oklahoma City. So that's the home team all day, every day. But we're going to go where LeBron goes. Shout out to LeBron. I'm the same way with the UConn Huskies. I grew up in Connecticut, and unfortunately, because I'm covering the Celtics this season, I've hardly seen a game of them, maybe two. You feel my pain. You feel my pain. I do. So tell me tell me about how this coaching job came about. How did you end up making the leap to coaching? Well, towards the end of my career, uh, I was kind of player coaching on some teams, you know, like, you know, the older guy. And, you know, leading and helping out with uh, with coaching and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, in my off season, I do personal development. So I've been doing personal development for years and I've been coaching youth teams out here. I started coaching uh, a group of second graders. They're all in seventh grade now. So I started coaching them and actually kind of put together a youth league a, a program out here. And, I, you know, got all the best second graders and we would go through and only went, lose one game in the season and. And that's how I got off in the coaching. So, you know, I'm just trying to now I'm at NII school and my dreams and aspirations are to be the head coach for my alma mater one day to New Mexico Lobo. So, yeah, man, I just got off in the coaching little by little personal, personal training and then always hanging out with the college coaches. One of my best friends is Brandon Mason. He's um actually has a prep school. I already started the first prep, one of the first uh, biggest prep schools out here now. And he was coaching for the Lobos and he's coached at UNLV. New Mexico State here in New Mexico and and just being around him I was like you know what this is really what I want to do I have a passion and uh you know playing you know under Bill Self playing under Steve Alford Richie McKay and in Europe and Latin America I've seen a lot of basketball and uh you know so it's like you know what I really want to work right now at the college level and help these young athletes that inspire to be professional athletes and just help them understand the game of life and basketball a lot better because basically you're when you're coaching, you're a teacher. And a lot of kids out here aspire to go pro, to play in the NBA, to play to overseas. And having that experience, I love sharing, you know, my stories with them and my journey and helping them understand what it takes to be there and answering their questions and trying to help them get on their path and their basketball journey and, uh, you know, just make their make their time easier than I did and help. hopefully they can learn from some of the mistakes that I had and, and take the advice and experience that I've, that I've gained and the knowledge that I've passed to them to, to help them with their basketball journey and to go places. I was just sitting next to one of my seniors and I want him to go play in uh, Mexico. And I was just kind of telling them how the league is like, you know, like you can't go there and have an off day and have five points or, you know, you got to make sure when you go there, you know, you can't speak Spanish. You need to try to learn to speak Spanish because sometimes you might have a teammate that can't speak English. And even if you're speaking broken Spanish to him, you know, I got to communicate with my point guard. You know, maybe he doesn't understand English like that. And I need a translator, but we're in the game. I don't have time for a translator. I want to be able to communicate with him. And so it's just 
little things that I've been through and stuff that I feel like I could help them with. That's why that's honestly why I want to be at the college level right now instead of the pro level, because I figure, you know, those guys are already pros. They're millionaires. They're making money. I feel like the my experiences could help the the high school, the college level a, a lot more than than me being at the pro level. So on the other side of the clipboard, lots of people from the pro ranks try to make the leap as you have. What advice would you give to someone who's interested in becoming a coach after their pro career is over? Um, well, networking is 80% of it, 90% of it. Like, you know, I, I'll say, I'll share this story. I've been trying to get coaching jobs out, out here in New Mexico where I've been drafted out of and I'm one of the few players and it was difficult for me to get a job and I was able to get, uh, you know, Ryan Cordova, shout out to Ryan Cordova, Northern New Mexico athletic director. And he uh, took a chance on me and gave me an opportunity. And for me, I want people to understand this. When you're a basketball player and you've reached a high level and you played overseas, most of these coaches that have did that, you know, they didn't play division one, you know, they didn't play pro in the NBA, they didn't play overseas. So when you come in, you know, they want you to pay your dues and they don't feel like even though you've played at a high level, like you should be able to get these jobs and it's going to be tough for you. And when you get these jobs, they're going to want to want you to fail and be like, well, he could play what he can't coach. And so, you know, I've been through a lot this year with that people hating on me on Twitter to my face and like, well, you can play, but you can't coach. But now my record speaks for itself. So that's one of my things. I'm like, well, I can play and coach. We know that you can coach. OK, but you couldn't play. So you're going to go through a lot of that. So you got to network and make sure that, you know, you get people to understand you on a different level, because, you know, somebody might think that. Uh, I think that I'm entitled and I'm not going to work hard when I get this job because I played at a high level, you know, and they started at the bottom. Maybe they were, didn't play varsity and they had to be a basketball manager for five or six years or four years and then go to direct, you know, then, you know, you go to video coordinator and then you go to director of basketball operations. Then you go to assistant coach. You do player development. Me, I was fortunate enough. That's why actually why I retired because they gave me the head coach job. I was going to go play because I could I'm 37. I, I've retired at 35. I think I could have played to a 39 or 40, but since this guy gave me the head coaching job, now I'm like, well, once I go get this job, man, it'll help me get other jobs. You know, people won't, because I was going after jobs and they're like, well, you have no coaching experience. And I'm like, well, you know, I've coached AAU, you know, I do player development, but, you know, I've been playing pro, you know, I played 12 years pro. Like, what, what did you want me to do? You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I couldn't because I was still playing and they were holding that above my head. And so, now, you know, I've strategically retired. Now I got two years of head coaching experience. We had a very successful season. Now, you know, networking along with that and, you know, going to the Final Four and reaching out to all your friends that play college basketball that are now coaching, that would be my advice to them. Make sure you're networking with these guys, building genuine relationships and, and just, you know, whatever staff that you're on, make sure, you, you know, you show your work ethic. Like, I'm a head coach for the women's, but I'm an assistant coach for the men's. And so, like, you know, I, I got to show value when I'm on that staff. I got to make the, the head coach's job easier. And it's actually helping me out because I never was an assistant coach. So I didn't start working with the men's team till about halfway through the season. And being an assistant coach there helped me become a better head coach on my team. And now I understand what I need when I hire an assistant coach. You know, like, you're here to make my job easier. I want to be able to worry about X's and O's. Like, you know, if he's in the bad, bad practice coaching and, their, their balls over there, I'm going to go shag some balls and put them on the rack. You know what I'm saying? If if, if I see people slipping in their shoes, I'm going to go get a towel and I'm going to wet it down and I'm, and I'm going to make myself useful and try to make sure he can focus on X's and O's and, and show him that I can benefit his system of making his life easier as well as being hungry and having that work ethic. So 
that that would be my advice to anybody getting into coaching. You know, network. You know, show people your value, what you can do to their coaching staff, and and go out there. And the, the most important advice that I just that I got uh, from one of our athletic directors out here, he's like, look, GPA is nice and all of this. He's like, look, win games, <laughs> win some games as a coach. And so, you know, I've been following the advice the best that I can, and you know, it's that would be my advice to all the co- people trying to transition from being professional athletes and the coaching, going there, be humble, work your ass off and just know you got to learn every day. You got to start all over. What we knew is as coaches and as rookies and as young college players, you get the same thing in coaching. There's some things that we just don't see yet and that you got to go off in there and learn and just be hungry and willing to get better at your coaching craft. Like you were as a player every day, go off in there and give it your all. So I've kept you here through several of your uh, compatriots leaving the parking lot in the background. I don't want to leave you the last guy in the parking lot, but one last question before we get out of here of all the Celtics alumni you can think of, who do you think is going to be the next head coach? Well, the crazy thing is, is um, I played with Aaron Miles at Kansas. He's coaching with uh, Udoka. Is that his highest pronounced his Mm -hmm. name? I don't want to disrespect him. And so I, I don't know. I mean, Udoka's going to have his chance. He's been there, what, one season? Uh, this is his first season, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, after, you know, whatever happens after this, I have no clue who's going to get it, but I hope that it's somebody good. But, I mean, I, I want to wish good luck to Aaron Miles because I played with him my first two years at Kansas, and he's on his staff. So I hope that they're successful. They seem like a good group of uh, guys. And I know Aaron Miles is always hardworking, best point guard, I've ever played with in my life, man. He used to make my job easier at Kansas. I didn't even know how spoiled I was to have him. He just throw the ball into the rim. I come out of nowhere and catch it and dunk it. He made my life easier. Got me a lot of easy baskets. So uh, shout out to Aaron Miles. But uh, yeah, whoever, whatever alumni gets it, I just know this. And this is how I feel as a player. Whenever, you know, those organizations took chances on us as players and we performed, give these players that same opportunity as coaching, especially black coaches. Like you want to pay us money, to come out here and shoot jump shots and dunk for you. Make sure you give us these same opportunities to go out there and coach and and, and try to lead an organization that we played our, our hearts out and gave our blood, sweat, and tears for. Because now me as a coach, you know, I want to be the coach at my uh, the University of New Mexico, and that's my line. You trusted me as a player and gave me an opportunity, and, and I played well for you. If you give me that same opportunity as a coach, I promise you to give that same effort. I like those opportunities for all of those player, former players that are that are coaching now. Respect us as coaches now and give us those same opportunities that you gave us as players. That's an awesome answer, man. I really appreciate that. I appreciate this, too. Thank you for meeting me today. Well, I, I appreciate you having me on, man. Anytime I can help you in any way, let me know. I really appreciate you taking your time out of uh, your day to have me on. Likewise. All right, man. Take care. All right, you too.